Well, good morning and welcome again to another episode of Contextualize. This week, uh, it's uh, just me, AJ, and uh, Jim's not here, but we do have a special guest, and it's the music director at our church, Clinton Ross. Good morning. It's great to be here on your podcast, AJ. (laughs) I hope I'm an amazing guest host. Well, I I think you will be. We'll we'll see if you do better than Jim. We'll find out. But... um, I was asking Clinton just before we got on here if he's ever been on a podcast, and he's not. This is his first podcast, but he did tell me he's been on NPR before, so what was that? <laughs> yeah, in 2016, um, in, uh, I guess, promotion of, of an album, I was on uh, South Carolina Public Radio's Sonata and Sound- Sonatas and Soundscapes, and that uh, is out there in the world on uh, my SoundCloud, oh. if, if you want, if you really want to track it down. So go check that out, listeners. Uh, yeah. So Clinton Ross, SoundCloud, it should pop up. I didn't update it very much after I posted that, so it should be pretty obvious. Um, but yes, that's the closest thing to a podcast. Man, well, that, I think that's that's above where we're at. So <laughs> <laughs> glad to have you with us. And um, this morning, we're going to look... At Acts 4, as we continue to march through Acts last week, um, if you remember, we, we really looked at Acts 2, the end of that, and Acts 3, and just talked about the, the idea that a, a believing community, a, a community with the Spirit's activity, is a repenting community. And we experience the joy and the refreshment of Christ's blessings as we repent and repent together. But this week, we're going to look at Acts 4. Um, but before we get into that, just with having Clinton on here, um, it's kind of a unique opportunity. And so... Uh, Clinton, you've been the music director here for what, three, four, four years on uh, first Sunday of October. Okay, so good timing on our yeah. part. So coming yeah. up right at four years, yep. end of the first term of the Clinton administration. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you get reelected to a second term, I guess. Um, but I, I just, you know, pe- people who who come and worship at Christ Community, they 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 probably see you, they they recognize you. Some, you know, may know that you're the music director and some of what that entails, but. I just thought it'd be a neat opportunity for you to share. You know, what what is what is your role as music director? Um, kind of what goes into into that? Kind of what are the different things that you do that probably most of us never know anything about? Um, yeah, sure. Well, I guess beyond the obvious performative aspect, well, what I do would be to organize the musicians, um, and that is always a moving target. Um, we've We've had a lot of ebb and flow through my my time. When I when I started, there was four yeah four other musicians that played every wow. week, and that was it. Period. Okay. Um, and that's and that's not bad. It was just what it was. And at one point, we had eighteen musicians playing with some level of frequency, and uh, now we're kind of in between those two numbers. But I organized the the teams of musicians, and then I pick the songs, and I do that um, kind of in line with the flow of the liturgy and any connection to the sermon text is always a bonus, but mm. the, the liturgical flow is the primary focus. Yeah. What, um, I don't know, what, what kind of things are going on in your mind as you're thinking about song selection? Uh, and you mentioned, you know, the liturgy and sometimes there's a sermon connection, sometimes there's not, but I don't know, what, what are, what's going on in your mind and heart as you're thinking of your role in, in selecting those songs? Well, I think we, we sing what we believe, so it's always in the forefront of my mind to sing songs that are as, as biblical as 
as things can be. That's that's why yeah. we've been singing psalms lately. Yeah, um, that's helpful. And I, I wish we would would have been doing that sooner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want I want songs to be to be biblical. I want them to be um, meaty. I want them to be to have the full scope of the Christian experience. Um, there there are like like I said, we simply believe. So it's you, you can really it's a good barometer for like what your practical mm. experience of Christianity is because it's it's good and easy to belt out a song about the love of, the love of God. Um, but we often are more hesitant to sing about wrath or judgment or things like that. So okay. try to pick songs that give a well-rounded um, yeah. view of, of yeah. our faith. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I, I've really enjoyed, um, I think just even as, as someone who worships here, I've really benefited from your leadership in that. So I'm thankful for that. Um, and even as you said, um, we sing what we believe. I, I thought of kind of the, the other way we could say that with a little bit different nuance would be we believe what we sing also with the idea that our what we sing forms us and shapes us. And so um, I think just seeing that, yeah, like we, we sing biblical songs, songs about um, a full-orbed picture of who God is and what he's done and all that that you were talking about. And as we do that, I think those songs would, would also shape us in turn as well. Yeah. So... so. Well, thanks for, for what you do um, here. And well, one other note um, and before we get into Acts 4 is uh, for the past, I don't know, two weeks, I think. This thing is the third week that we've finally had our intro and outro. And that yeah. was recorded by you. Yeah. So our, um, the in, interlude and outlude. The interlude. <laughs> yeah, we butcher it. We can't butcher it today. Uh, now that you're here with me, I've got to say the right words. So Yeah, I wish I would have had it ready for the from the get-go right but that was uh that's how firm a foundation and just wanted to have a have a little east tennessee version of uh, him about uh, the word of god since that's what podcast is talking about and i uh, hope it's fun yeah um it is fun yeah. <laughs> it's lots of fun it's very peppy I, I, I really enjoyed it so well great man well again thanks to thanks for being here glad to have you on here uh, but let's get into acts four um so Acts 4 picks up right on the, the backside of Acts 3, and in, in, even in, in time. Like, it's just the same story of what's going on. So Acts 3, uh, Peter uh, preaches for the second time, and then really they get in trouble in Acts 4. <laughs> they, they get in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And so um, just to look at the first couple of verses, uh, they're speaking to the people, and then uh, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees come upon them. This is Peter and John. And it says in verse 2 that they are greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they, they arrest them. They, they throw them into prison. Um, but, you know, there's evidence. Uh, you know, God shows us here in verse 4. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So 3,000 back in chapter 2. Now we're up to 5,000. The church is growing. Even as they begin to encounter some really in-their-face um, uh, persecution, I guess, here at this part. Um, but you know, if we if we jump down, uh, basically the Jewish leaders interrogate and are, I think are trying to um, uh, they're trying to use their power uh, to squash out what Peter and John and the other uh, the other Christians are doing at this point. And uh, in verse twelve, I just want to read this and, and see what you think, Clinton. But verse 
12, uh, Peter uh, responds, he's filled with the Spirit, and he says, There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So just any thoughts from you, Clinton, on kind of what's going on so far in the story here? Uh, yeah, I think my first reaction would be uh, that that's offensive, and it, it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, persecution that they're facing. Um, because of that, I'm, sh- I'm sure they said things to that effect prior, um, yeah. obviously, to, to end up where they were. Um, but yeah, that's, just, that's my first reaction, that uh, that would that the world does not like that, and that's mm-hmm. um, that's offensive to them, and it'll and it will get you in trouble. Yeah, and that's I mean that's so similar to some of the things we've been again seeing in First Corinthians of just the wisdom of the world is foolishness, but the foolishness of the cross of our message, sorry, the wisdom of our message is foolishness in the world's eyes. Yeah, and it's offensive in the in what you're saying. Um, that's so true. In verse 13, uh, really interesting here, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, again, this is the religious, the Jewish religious leaders, they see the, the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceive that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. And so they see these guys, and they're just like, oh, man, these are just like regular dudes. Like There's nothing special <laughs> about these guys. They're just regular dudes, but they're bold. Yeah, I, I like your uh, normal dudes. Yeah, uh, item here on the outline. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's interesting to to think if if someone's like from their perspective, if someone is being someone's being that bold or that uh, forthright in what they're saying, like they should have I don't know whatever the equivalent of you know PhD back then would have right. been or whatever some some amount of religious. Um, Training and education, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that that's, um, yeah, they don't need that to be right. To, they, yeah, yeah, that we know yeah. the truth. And and so the, it goes on, and you know, um, this bold, this idea of boldness continues in the story. Uh, basically, the the leaders tell them like, all right, just just stop preaching, just stop talking about Jesus. Like that's the deal. Um, we've, we've kind of threatened you and you, now you just need to stop talking about Jesus. And then verse 19 and 20, just Peter and John respond, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then, again, these just two regular dudes <laughs> just throw it right back at this religious court. Um, and they just, you know, like we're, whether it's right to, to listen and stop speaking about Jesus, y'all, y'all judge that. Y'all do what you want with that. But we're going to keep speaking. We're going to keep proclaiming. And so the, the response to this uh, in verse 21, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Um, so they, they wanted to, to do something, but they couldn't really do something. And part of the reason they couldn't do more is because all the people were enamored with these guys because of how God worked through them. Because a man who was lame for 40 years suddenly was leaping, uh, like we talked about last week. And so the way that this chapter ends is Peter and John, they get released. They, they go find their friends, the, the other Christians. Uh, they gather together, and in verse 24... They all lift up their voices together. They pray. They they pray and reference Psalm two. So in uh, like verse twenty, 
even like one of the things there, verse 24, they start out just by saying sovereign Lord. And then 25, who through the mouth of your fa- our father David, your servant, said by the Spirit. And that's where they quote Psalm 2, right? Why did the Gentiles rage? People's plot in vain. Um, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Yeah. It's interesting they applying that. Um, well, we find all throughout the New Testament that these, these guys really knew their, their Bible. They really mm. knew their Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, a reference, a quote from the psalm. Psalms are certainly not abnormal. But it's interesting. I'm, I'm just, I'm sure this has been commented on um, numerous times, but I'm, I'm just noticing that the quote, why do the Gentiles rage? And they're applying that to, at least in some form, to um, the Jutes, to the high priests, mm-hmm. captain of the temple and stuff, um, which they would have found very enraging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so, and I think part of what is going on here is, and Psalm 2 is this uh, conflict between the Lord's anointed and the world, and and they point to Jesus, that Jesus' crucifixion is evidence of that, really where Herod, Pontius Pilate, other rulers, and Jews gather together to crucify Jesus, and so that conflict comes to a head there, but then now on this side of the, the cross in resurrection of Christ, these believers, Peter and um, I want to say Paul, Peter and uh, John, and, and these others, like they're experiencing that same conflict, where as the followers of God, they're at conflict with the world, just as Jesus was at conflict with the world. Um, and let, let me just look at a couple more verses here, and we'll kind of think about what is this, what does all this mean. But um, as they pray this. In verse 29, they, they make two requests in their prayer. First, they say, look upon their, their threats. So I think in, in a lot of ways, just like, God, see this. See what we are being threatened with. See our enemies. See what's going on here. And knowing that he does. But then the second thing they pray in verse 29 is, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And there's that word again. And there's, they're saying, God, we got into this mess because we were proclaiming the gospel with boldness. Would you help us to continue to do that with boldness? And then in the response to all this in verse 31, God answers their prayer. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So Luke say, answers your prayer. Yeah. yeah. Like he's very, he want, there's no way we read this and we don't think like, oh, man, they just kept proclaiming the word with boldness. And so um, let me just ask you, um, you know, one, one of the reasons um, just for our listeners that I wanted to have you on the show today, Clinton, is uh, I think over the past four years that I've known you, I personally have been moved to a greater boldness in sharing my faith through interactions with you and through hearing about um, just ways that you are bold in sharing your faith with others. Um, And so, uh, I don't know, just as you think about this text and the need for boldness in witnessing and the need to pray for help with that, how do you see that either in your life or in the life of our church? Um, like kind of, how can we, where does this text intersect you personally or our church together? Well, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's firstly convicting because a little earlier on when they say, uh, what's it, 19, 20, 18, call them charged to not speak or 
teach mm-hmm. it all in the name of Jesus. You know, that, that's that's really convicting to me. When was the last time anyone told you, will you, will you please just stop talking about Jesus? Yeah, right. Um, so I, I think that that's an important element of it. But I I think it, about it more as persistence. Okay. Um, rather than, I don't know, that's just something that I, the word boldness, not that I'm against using that word, of course, um, but that just, to me, evokes like street preaching or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think of, I think about it more with like persistence, like yeah. persistence in prayer and like it being always something that you're thinking about with, with unbelievers and like looking for an opportunity yeah. um, and a, a way to, to share your faith and connect with them. Um, so that that certainly that certainly intersects with boldness, um, but but I th- I think more I think about it more as persistence. Man, that's I think that's so helpful because um, maybe sometimes we can think of boldness as kind of this this one time spurt of boldness. Yeah. Like I went out and I did it kind of thing. But yeah. when you say persistence, and even yeah, looking at the story, I mean they get they preach, but then they get in trouble, but then they keep preaching. So like there's persistence here. And it's that willingness to persist in proclaiming Christ, even though the world calls us fools. If you know to connect it back to First Corinthians, um, what has I, I don't know? Just what has helped you to persist in talking with non-believers, in talking about Jesus with non-believers? What helps you persist in that? Uh, I think just just the fact that I don't know, we don't know. You don't know who's going to be saved. Who's mm-hmm. who's? You don't know how the word's going to be received, and you don't know that even. <clears throat> I've certainly had enough people, you know, just tell me I'm not interested. You know, that's fine for you, but yeah. that's that's not something I'm ever going to uh, believe. Um, that is not always true, <laughs> and God um, <clears throat> might save those people down the road uh, through somebody else. Uh, you know, I think of. First Corinthians, you know, Apollos watered, um, Paul watered, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody watered. <laughs> but, something, but God gives yeah, the growth. Yeah. 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 Um, so even th- there's almost there's almost no such thing as a bad witnessing encounter, mm. uh, other than like a fist fight or something. <laughs> but <laughs> but like it doesn't matter if they say no, right, or if they say right. they don't believe or they don't care, um, yeah. because you don't know how God is going to use that down the road. Man, that's yeah, that's helpful. Um, bringing in the text from yesterday because in in First uh, Corinthians three, and Paul's just saying basically play your part. We've played our part, but God is the one who gives the growth. And so in our witnessing, it may be a comment, it may be an action, it may be a a two hour conversation. Like it, it could be any of those things. But are we playing the part that God has called us to play with a persistence or with a boldness, whichever way we want to phrase it, um, but trusting him in that? Yeah, and you just have to be willing for whatever whatever's in front of you. If it's mm-hmm. if it's just a comment that just needs to be there and and be said and, and, and just, just hang there or a question, I've found that um, God opens the door for like a provoking question that is as effective as a two hour conversation yeah, where you're just, you know, chasing the same things around and around. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I'll, uh, let me share this as we're getting near the end here. But, um, I remember, man, it must've been a year ago or so, but Clinton 
text me or call me or I don't know. He he asked me if I wanted to to go get Chick Fil A with him one morning uh, because he had. <laughs> Uh, come into conversation with uh, two Mormon guys and they he had set up a Chick-fil-A breakfast with them and asked me to join and so us four went and talked and we talked I don't know for an hour hour and a half it was a yeah. good little conversation talked about all all sorts of things and what we believe and what they believe and just got into that but the thing that stood out to me the most in that whole encounter I don't know if I've ever told you this but was really towards the end kind of as it was I'm very evident. Hey, we're all we're in different places. Nobody was really showing. N- <laughs> nobody was was getting sure. on that. But Clinton, just at the end, just, you very boldly looked at these two brothers and said, in just very clear, bold words, that that you see them um, with, with love and care, but you also see them as not believing the truth of the gospel, and you call them to repent and believe the gospel. And it just hit me really hard of like, there was, there was no, um, and it was very like loving in in that sense, but like, man, your boldness, when you said that, just to call them to repent and believe Jesus, which is what we see going on through the early church in Acts. Um, it just really hit me. And if, if you were at the Islam seminar from, uh, two months ago, Clinton closed that out with, with very much the same thing. So I just I'm thankful for that in you, brother. Thank you. I, I don't have a lot of tricks. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, so. and that, again, we're not just trying to manufacture connections to First Corinthians, but right, like that's what Paul says. It's not about having this witty argument or having these wise sayings. Like it, it is the message of the gospel, the message of the cross, and calling people to believe that, and trusting that the Spirit yeah. is the one who really does the work. Absolutely. Well, Clint, as we close, just any anything that you want to leave our listeners with and uh, thinking about boldness, witnessing prayer, all this stuff. Anything you want to leave leave our listeners with? Yeah. Well, any anytime I I uh, talk about these sorts of things, I I just want to emphasize um, to pray, and that's um, you need the Spirit's help, and prayer will keep that um, will keep it in your mind. Will keep it. Will keep you looking for opportunities. Um, if we're not praying, if we're not thinking about those things, it's easy to just glide through um, mm. those situations where we know um, there could be possibilities. Mm. Absolutely. So, li- listeners, just I think that's a good word. Um, just challenge and invite you all, and uh, even as you said that, I'm challenge myself to be praying this week that God would give you and give us, even as a church, um, boldness and persistence in proclaiming the message of Christ. So, well, Clinton, thanks for being on here with us. Well, thanks for having me. I think I can hear that outro playing. There's the outro. (laughs) That's yours. All right. See you all next week.